A couple of weeks ago, we uh, introduced Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we learned as we did that that Paul said that he prayed consistently for the Colossian church, didn't we? And this morning, we have the privilege of getting to see exactly the, the details of what that prayer entailed. As we watch and, and, and learn and, and look at what Paul's prayer was for the Colossian church, I want it to, to be something that we examine as a pattern for how we should pray. I think this is important because I think very often uh, we can develop habits that are outside of the biblical pattern of prayer, however innocent that drift may be. And we need to recognize as parents that, that sometimes we can influence our kids in those patterns of prayer. And we see that sometimes in how they pray. Like the little boy that uh, I heard prayed one time, he said, Lord, thank you for my little brother. But what I asked for was a puppy. <laughs> sometimes we can be too flippant. Sometimes I think we can just be misguided. And, and I'm just as guilty as the next person on this one. You know, I'll pray for people that I care about and ask that God would give them strength in their time of need, peace during a difficult time. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad prayer. But when I stop and think about what I just said, I have to ask myself, why did I just ask God to do something that He promised He's already done? Wouldn't it be better for me to, instead of praying for God to do something for them, for my prayer to ask, God, ask them to experience the fullness of what God has already done. That, that they would understand that He promises that He would be strength in their time of need. That He would be comfort in times of affliction. That, that their faith in Him would allow them to experience the fullness of what He promised He would do. Well, I think as we look at Paul's prayer this morning, we're going to see his example getting us back on that track. And I want you to notice as we look at the prayer that Paul does not ask God to do something for the Colossians. What he prays for is that the Colossians will experience the fullness of what God has done for them by putting their faith and trust in Him. There's a difference there. And I think Paul helps put our perspective in place. And he'll do so by praying that they will be a people who believe in the truths that God has revealed. So that they behave in a certain way that, that would give God glory and become the people of God that He has designed them to be when they follow Him in faith. Believe, behave, become. That's Paul's pattern of prayer. And so we're going to look at that together this morning. Before we do, let's spend our time in prayer and open up that thing. God, we do come to you in prayer as we begin looking at Paul's prayer. And we recognize that uh, in and of ourselves, we get into routines, we get into uh, patterns where we might step out of the, the biblical example. But this morning, we have the privilege of looking at the Spirit-inspired words of, of Paul and the pattern of prayer that we are called to follow. So I, I ask that, that we would be able to understand this in a way that it impacts uh, the way we enter into intercession for others, the way we seek and, and pray as we come before you, and that it would be an example that we might follow. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you're not there, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. We'll pick up where we left off. You Read along with me, beginning in verse 9. It says, For this reason also... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask 
that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul begins his prayer for the Colossians by asking that they be filled up with the knowledge of God's will. You see, if you you think back to what we've looked at already, he's already praised them back in verse 4 for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul knows that on the basis of that faith, they have been introduced into a storehouse of God's truth. A truth, in fact, that was not previously known. It makes me think of the words that Paul writes to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2.14 when he says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. and He's not able to understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised. In other words, we cannot understand the truths of God until the Spirit of God indwells our heart through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's desire for the Colossian church is for them to receive the full measure of all that they have been given by God provided through their faith in Jesus Christ, and that they would know how to apply these truths in their life with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And keep in mind that that this prayer that they will read amongst this congregation of people is also intended to be instructive. As we mentioned in the beginning, the, the Colossians were being influenced by the philosophical teaching of the false teachers which suggested that they they needed something more, that that, that something was missing. And so Paul is telling them as he begins this prayer for them, that's not true. You are not missing anything. You have everything you need for life and godliness. So instead of trying to pursue something that you think you don't have, my prayer for you is that you will experience everything that you have been given Through faith in Jesus Christ. And specifically, he says, that you would be filled up with the knowledge of God's will. I think we get a little better idea of what exactly he means by that statement if we were to look at another one of his prayers, very similar to the one we see in Colossians, written in his letter to the Ephesians. So keep your finger here in Colossians and go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This uh, is, is a very similar passage to what we read in Colossians. Paul, again, recording his prayer, in this case for the Ephesians, and he says, For this reason, I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Doesn't that sound familiar? I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward Him, you who believe. So so we learn from this passage some of the content of what He means by the knowledge of God's will. He gives us some of those examples when He says that, that you may know the hope of His calling the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, the greatness of His power towards us who believe. These are just a a few examples of the blessings of who we are in Christ. And these are made available to us 
when we put our faith in that atoning sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And so our faith in Christ is what introduces us to the knowledge of God's will, which begins with an understanding of the riches of His grace, which the Scripture tells us has been lavished upon us. We can't take credit for any of these things. This is not something that we acquire by our own efforts as the false teachers would have suggested. These are gifts that we receive on the basis of faith. And their application to our lives must be discerned in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's actually a verse that precedes the one I gave to you earlier in Corinthians when he says this. He says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but here it is, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The Spirit Spirit of God is what helps us walk in the will of God by rightly applying the truths of God to our life. This stands in stark contrast to the false teachers who were suggesting that, that man possessed the wisdom that was necessary to live a righteous life. In my mind, it's kind of like an an a la carte line that you go through in the cafeteria where you have this menu of options and you just kind of pick and choose those things that give you the the best appearance of a pious life. And and then when this is our habit, we, we end up developing these religious traditions and legalistic requirements that we deem necessary to experience the fullness of God's blessing. And that's exactly how the false teachers were causing the Colossians to become unstable. They were questioning their core beliefs and and inviting them to pursue new truths, special religious traditions and and spiritual experiences that that elevated them into a a greater experience of, of God's presence. But Paul reminds them that they don't have to strive for something more. Because they have been given everything that they need. Including the wisdom to understand the truths of God. So that they can walk in the will of God to the glory of God. See the Colossians don't need to be enlightened by some new truth. They like us need to be grounded in the truth that has already been revealed. Be filled up Paul says with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. A wisdom which comes from God on the basis of faith and can only be discerned by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This is important. It's important for us to to understand and be grounded in what we believe, what has been revealed, what, what Scripture has to say, because what we believe ultimately impacts how we behave. And we see that as Paul's prayer continues. I'm going to go back to verse 9, but keep following along with me. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here it is. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness 
in patience. Paul now moves from, from believing to behaving. He, he makes that fundamental connection in the Christian walk between knowing and growing. So that what we learn impacts how we live. He says, I want you to know God's will so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. And I want you to notice how Paul points the attention, the very focus of his prayer, to a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And I want you to understand that Paul is in no way suggesting that that our actions are what earn God's favor. That's actually the, the heresy of the false teachers. As, as we read on through this letter, you're going to find them talking about their commitment to the law, their pious lifestyle, the, the special revelations that they've had through, through dreams and, and visions. Their claim was that God was giving them divine blessing based on their religious devotion. But Paul steps in and says, this is not about what we do for God. This is all about what God has done for us. And He is most pleased when we follow Him in faith. And then Paul describes what that life of faith looks like, that that life that is pleasing to the Lord. He begins by praying for the Colossians to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This reminds me of the passage that I've told you about before, my favorite passage in Scripture that talks about the fact that we were created in Christ Jesus, that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. And so the the good works that, that Paul is referring to here are not things that we do in order to please God. God is the one who prepared the good works beforehand. They are His good works. And we live in a way that bears fruit when we walk in His ways. And that fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. We know that because the works of God would naturally bring forth the fruit of God. And so once again, this is not about what I am doing for God. This is about what God is doing in me when I follow Him in faith. And notice how Paul makes that connection between growing and, and knowing. He says, bear fruit in every good work and increasing or growing in the knowledge of God. These are inseparable because the more we follow the Lord, we, the more we know the Lord. The more we know the Lord, the more we love the Lord. The more we love the Lord, the more we follow the Lord. And the knowledge that Paul speaks of here is, is not just academic. It's very relational. It's experiential. It reminds me of being in college and going to physics or chemistry and hear professors lecture on the principles of, of these subjects. And, and I remember trying to put all this together, but it really didn't make sense to me until I went to the lab. And in the lab, I could do those experiments and and that research that applied those principles. And then it was like, oh, okay, now I can see. My hands-on experience allowed me to understand those principles that were difficult for me to grasp. You see, that's that same connection between knowing and, and growing and doing that is one of the fundamental principles of spiritual growth. Once again, Paul is praying for the Colossians to live their lives in response to what God has made possible through their faith in Christ. 
knowing that they will follow God's will as they walk in his good works that he has prepared beforehand and that their lives will bear fruit, increasing their knowledge of God to the praise of his glory and grace. Paul then prays for the Colossians to to find strength in God's power according to his glorious might. Paul acknowledges that what he is praying for the Colossians is not possible apart from faith in Christ, apart from God's provision. This is important because this part of the prayer reminds us how all too easy it is for us to to fall in the trap of thinking that, that we have something to contribute to our spiritual growth, to our walk of faith. But the moment that we step out of God's provision we immediately encounter a problem that will prevent us from doing His will. You see, our sin will inevitably become a barrier to our obedience. That's why I think Paul used the Greek word here that for might that literally means uh, a power that's o- able to overcome a resistance. No matter how good our intentions may be, what we do cannot be done apart from God. Because it is encumbered by the presence of sin. That's why Paul tells the Romans, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Like Paul, we simply do not have the ability to do the right thing in our own strength. We can't get into this habit of of, of doing good works so that we can start doing them on our own. We need to be reminded what Jesus said when He said, apart from Me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not little things, but no things. Nothing. We aren't able to walk with God when we just feel like it was necessary to maybe check in with Him every once in a while. See, Paul is praying for the Colossians to live in a daily dependence on God's strength so that they can do so that he can do through them what they cannot do on their own. God is most pleased that when his power is perfected in our weakness so that our life will give glory not to what we can do but to what he has done through us. And Paul finishes the section by by praying for the result, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I, I translate this as patient endurance. And this makes sense if you kind of put all the, the pieces of Paul's prayer together. See, I have peace when I understand that, that my knowledge of God is based on what He has revealed and not what I must discover. That the wisdom that I need to apply those truths to my life is provided by the Holy Spirit. And that God has actually gone before me, laying out a a path of good works, so that when I follow Him in faith, my life will bear fruit. Fruit from the Spirit that reveals the attributes of God. So that as I know Him and learn to love Him, I follow Him. And in that sense, my obedience flows out of a humble response to the initiative that God has taken on my behalf. I believe that, that God takes great pleasure when He sees us live in the contentment of His provision. To have patient endurance. 
because we know, both through our understanding and our experience, that He is faithful, that His mercies are new every morning, that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Which leads to the final part of Paul's prayer. Look at verse, very end of verse 11. He says, Joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. If I were to walk up to you after church today and say, Hey, you know, I just wanted to, to thank you. If you didn't know, you'd probably ask me, for what? (laughs) Because any time we give somebody an expression of thanks, it is in response to something that we have received. Well, Paul closes his prayer to the Colossians by describing God's most gracious gift. And the only right response from those who have received a gift of such magnitude is to joyously give thanks to the giver. And in some ways, I think he is intentional about closing his prayer in this way because everything he previously prayed for in their walk of faith was made possible because of their personal decision to follow God in faith. When they trusted in the atoning sacrifice that that Jesus made on their behalf. And not unlike everything that we have talked about so far, even salvation is a work of God. And I want you to listen closely because what Paul describes here, as is done in many places throughout the Scripture, is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the message that we are called to proclaim. This is the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. And everything that He has prayed for up to this point is made possible because of what He now says. He he will highlight three things that God has done on our behalf. He says that God qualified us for an inheritance, that He delivered us from the domain of darkness, that He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He qualified us. He delivered us. He transferred us. That word qualified literally means to to be made competent. This is consistent with the, the message of Paul's prayer as he recognizes that God did for us what we could not do on our own. It's that same idea that, that Doug talked about and that Paul writes to the Ephesians when he tells them that we do not have a righteousness of our own derived from our good news, good deeds. Instead, we have a righteousness which comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. It is a righteousness which comes from God who qualifies us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. In this is an important reminder because like Paul told the Galatians, if our life in Christ began on the basis of faith, why would we ever assume that our growth in Christ would be any different? Remember he said, he said, having begun in the Spirit, are we to be perfected in the flesh? May it never be. God is responsible for everything. He qualifies. He redeemed us. He called us. He sanctifies us. And one day, He will glorify us. He qualified us because He delivered us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. That word domain literally means power or authority. It brings with it the understanding that we were ruled by the dominion or the authority of Satan. 
the ruler of this world. His power and dominion over our lives. We lived in in a power that we could not break. This world had a control over us. We were without hope. We were held captive. And we could not escape because the, the lust of our sin prevented our ability to understand the love of God. But God delivered us. Literally, He rescued us. He is the one who called us to leave that rebel kingdom in, in service to the one true king. But this was not without cost. Our deliverance was based on Christ's shed blood. I had a debt that I could not pay. And God applied the death of His Son to redeem me, to pay that debt. Literally, redemption means to buy back. God paid my ransom through the death of Jesus so that I could be free, both now and for eternity. And so from start to finish of Paul's prayer, he explains that everything we have is because of what God has done. Listen to what he says. He says, He redeemed us. He forgave our sins. He filled us with the knowledge of His will and gave us His Holy Spirit so that we would know how to apply those truths to our lives. He prepared good works ahead of time so that we could walk in them and through them get to know Him. His strength is what gives us the power to overcome the obstacle of sin so that as we learn to live, we live in the contentment of His faithful provision. Do you you get the picture here? This is what God has done. And Paul is turning to the Colossians and he says, my prayer for you is that you will experience the fullness of what He has done and live in the riches of His grace which He lavished upon you. You see, our walk of faith, our walk of, uh, in, in, in fellowship with one another and disciples of Christ is a decision of faith to respond to the things that God has already done. That's what it means to follow Christ. And so as we finish up, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. The first thing I want to ask you to do as you spend time in prayer this week, which I trust you are, is to follow Paul's pattern of prayer. Think of those three words, believing, behaving, becoming. And as you pray for those that you care for, pray that they would be reminded of the promises that God has revealed in the truth of his word and that they would live their lives according to those promises. And behave in such a way that they give praise to His name. Pray that that they would surrender their will to His will. And in so doing, as they continue that walk of faith, that they would become the man or the woman, the, the boy or the girl that God desires them to be to the praise of His glory and grace. The second thing I would encourage you to do is to take that same prayer and turn it around and pray the same for yourself. And one of the ways that I would encourage you to do that is to memorize the verses of our passage this morning. These are are great words that would be so important to commit to memory. So that now you can take that pattern of prayer with you wherever you go. And you can run through those verses as you pray through things for both yourself and for others. And recognize as you do that the grace that has been lavished upon you and ask that God would help you experience and and live out the fullness of what He has provided. I know for me personally, and even 
in, in recent weeks and months, it, it's real easy to lose sight and, and to get, in some cases, overwhelmed by the things that are going on around us. And I need to stop. And I need to be reminded of what God has done and pray to live in the fullness of what He has done for me so that I experience the richness of His life in me. And that we do that collectively as a body of Christ to give praise to His name. Let me pray for us together. God, we do ask that uh, we would be a people who faithfully uh, seek out and try to understand through the work of Your Spirit within us the truths that You have revealed to us. And in understanding those truths that it would impact the way that we live out those truths in our life so that we become a people that increasingly know you love you and obey you not out of an obligation but as a response of the gratitude of what you have done for us following you in faith because of the great things you have done for every good thing and every perfect gift is from above coming down from you father with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Everything that we have is because of who we are in you, through our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is in His name that we pray. Amen.